Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Simple Church. My name is Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to take a moment and say thank you so much for being here with us this morning. I also want to look into the camera and say thank you for all those of you that are joining us online, either in our online campus or on Facebook. Come on, Simple Church. Let's greet everybody. Let everybody know you're glad they're here today. If it is your first time here, whether joining us online or in person, uh, there is a way for you to connect with us and let us know that you're here. We would love to to uh, greet you and also be, be part of your spiritual journey. And uh, the way, the easiest way for you to do that is to reach into the seat back in front of you. Those of you that are online, there's a link that says Digital Connect Card. Uh, if you reach into that seat back in front of you, or if you're sitting on the front row, just reach behind you. Just don't grab legs and other stuff. Be careful with that reach around uh, behind you. But uh, uh, grab a hold of a connection card and uh, fill that out. If, you, if, you're, if you're filling out for the first time, uh, if you'll take that to our Connect Center, which has now been relocated right over here in the auditorium, uh, that's where you'll find me at the end of service and the rest of our team. We'd love to give you a gift and uh, just to get to know you. So stop on by the Connect Center with that uh, filled out card. Uh, also, if you have any questions about how to be involved and what our church is all about, you can stop by the Connect Center as well. We'd love to share that with you. Amen, everybody? Amen. All right. Well, there's uh, a couple things I want to share with you before we get into this new series called Hashtag Blessed. Uh, first is that uh, Easter is coming, and this weekend, this Saturday, is Breakfast with the Bunny. It's an incredible time to partner with the city and Parks and Recs and get out there and serve uh, with a team of people from Simple Church uh, in the community. It's, it's just so much fun. This event is a lot of a lot of uh, flipping pancakes and making sausage and just loving on our Parks and Recs department and the people that have coming to that event. So uh, we have about eight people signed up right now. The goal is to have about 15 so you've got this week to sign up. You can stop by the Connect Center, or you, if you have the app, you can use the app to register. Uh, we still need a few people to come out and help, but it's going to be a great time. Please, please, please consider coming and joining. If you have kids eight and up, they can serve. They just can't serve in the kitchen, okay? So uh, outside of that, uh, we are happy to have them. So please join us. That'll be a good time. Uh, also, uh, how many of you guys are excited that Easter's just coming in general? Like, I am super pumped. We've got some fun stuff for you. The bunny's going to be here, and, and we'll have a station so you and your family can take Easter pictures uh, together and some other surprises that I know that you're going to love. But I want to say this about Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is, uh, is a, a day. There are two days throughout the year that everybody's looking for a place to go to church. It's Christmas and Easter, right? And so it's an easy time of year to invite somebody to church. I think that each of us has a responsibility to at some point in time, have somebody sitting next to us in a church service that is far from the Lord. You guys agree with that? That, that we have a personal responsibility to invite people. In fact, let me just kind of ask this question. If you consider yourself a Christ follower, how many of you made that decision in a church service? Just hands up. Let me see your hands up. You, you made the decision to follow Jesus in a church service. Keep your hands up. Hold, look around, look around, look around. All right, put them down. Now, how many of you that came to that church service, somebody invited you to that church service? Hands up, hands up, hands up high. See, look around, look around, look around. Okay, so here's what I'm trying to tell you. Your invite matters. Your invitation matters. The transformed life that you now experience because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, that power to transform somebody's life is contained in your invitation. 
I'm saying good things this morning. I understand that I've got a lot of energy and you're probably just waking up and I've been up since five, but I'm telling you, (laughs) I'm a life that was changed because I was invited to a church service. And many of us have that same testimony and yet I think we forget we have a responsibility to invite people to a place where they can meet Jesus. Matthew, the tax collector, who was considered, by the way, to be one of the, the, the most despicable of his people because he had sided with the Roman Empire to collect taxes from his own people. They considered him a dog, an outcast, a reject. Matthew, when Jesus said, come and follow me, the first thing Matthew did was gather a whole bunch of other thinners and tax collectors and had a party created a space so they could meet Jesus. That's our, that's our responsibility. That's our job. So I just want to share this with you. Easter's an easy time to invite somebody. I know some of us have, like, fear of rejection. Anybody got a fear of rejection? Yeah. Oh, look at all the hands. Guess what? Me too. Every Sunday I step up here with a fear of rejection. You know that? It's deep down in my core. But you know what? I'm called to do this, so I do it. Let's stop letting those excuses and the fear of rejection keep us from inviting somebody. Amen? Right? We've got a responsibility here. So, so here's what I want you to do, okay? We've got three weeks till Easter Sunday. I want you to try this and see God's faithfulness in this situation, okay? Right now, I'm going to give you a moment. If you need to close your eyes, you can do that. But right now, I want you to ask the Lord in your heart, who do I need to invite? The first name that comes to your heart, that's your person, okay? So let's do it. Jesus, who do I need to invite? That name that the Lord is speaking to your heart right now is the person. Now, I don't want you to invite him this week. Here's what I want you to do. Every day this week, I want you to say a prayer for that person. Jesus, soften their heart. Prepare them for my invite. Give me wisdom to know how to step into this space and courage and boldness to do it. That's a simple prayer, right? Lord, soften their heart. Prepare, me, prepare them for the invite. Pray for him every day this week. And the next Sunday, I'm going to remind you, next week is your week to invite them to Easter Sunday Church. Are we all on board for this? We got some buy-in? I got them seeing a few heads shaking yes. Okay, great. <laughs> all right. So let's invite some people to an Easter Sunday, or any Sunday for that matter, uh, service. Amen? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Don't, for those of you that are worried about the details and worried about controlling that conversation, uh, go ahead and leave the details to God. He's in control anyway. You're not. So just, just, just lobbing it out there. I'm giving you guys truth. None of that's even in my notes for today, right? It was just a, hey, I just needed to pastor you and shepherd you for just a moment that, hey, there are people lost and dying in this world and they need to know Jesus and they're waiting on your invite. That's it. Okay, let's move into this series. We're, we're, we are in this series called Hashtag Blessed. Uh, how many of you guys believe that God wants you to be blessed by show of hands? Anybody? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's biblical. It's absolutely biblical. God does want us to be blessed. But what does that even mean? When you look at, at what the world may mean by that, well, they mean, well, it's traveling, it's having nice clothes, it's enjoying luxury, it's fine dining, it's excursions. Like all these pictures you see on social media, people are using that hashtag blessed, right? Or, or even there's, there's a ton of people who will even just say that, hashtag blessed, like out here living my best life, the blessed life blessed, right? They think, they think that it's all about maybe their date nights, it's money in the bank, it is their surprise birthday parties, it's friends, it's families, and hashtag blessed. We're blessed. And those are great blessings, but I don't believe that those are necessarily what the Bible means. 
When Jesus talked about being blessed, the word that he actually used, written in the Greek, could also be translated happy. And happiness, if you understand what happiness is, happiness has nothing to do with anything outside of your body. It has nothing to do with the clothes that you wear. It has nothing to do with external things. Happiness or blessedness is not about everything going well. You can still be in the middle of the worst situation in your life, a storm, and still be happy because it has nothing to do with your circumstances. It has something to do with what's going on inside you. The condition of your marriage does not determine your happiness. The condition of your family, how, how your stocks are performing in the stock market, which I don't know if they're like mine, but they ain't performing. <laughs> they're just not. It's not about your happiness cannot be connected to the price of gas, although I'm not really happy about the current price of gas. It's also not about your team winning. Many of you know people that when their team loses, what happens? They are just sad sacks all day long. But your happiness cannot be based on these external things. It can't be about your new car, your new house, your nice clothes. It can't be about anything external. It can only be about something that is internal. It's your heart. And when you think about what the focus of the Christian experience is, it's all about having a transformed heart. It's not about behavior modification. A lot of people think it's about that. It's about learning the right things to do, the right things to say, the right way to dress, covering up your tattoos and getting a haircut for crying out loud. That's not what it is. It's just, it's just not. I want my tattoos on display, thank you very much, right? Like I want them out. Listen, it's not about that. It's about having a transformed heart that leads to transformed behavior. And that transformed heart comes solely from one person, and that is Jesus. And so that's the focus of this series, is to have a, a transformed heart. Because, and, and we're going to specifically talk about the, the topic of generosity. Because, because the greatest challenge for your heart, do you know what it is? It's your stuff. Jesus knew that. God knew that. In fact, the Bible talks a lot about money. In fact, it talks about money and your stuff, your belongings, more than almost any other topic in the Bible. A majority of the parables that Jesus told were about money. Why? Because it was the number, it was and is the number one contender for our hearts, for that place in our hearts that God wants to have, that throne to be Lord. And if happiness or blessedness really starts in the heart, then we need to learn to address our hearts. Amen, everybody? So the series is not about money. We're certainly going to talk about money within generosity and giving, but, but it's not about money. It's about living a generous life and how when you live a generous life, it changes everything. In fact, Jesus, in talking about uh, about giving, living generously, he said that it is more blessed or you'll be happier if you learn that life's all about giving than it is about receiving. Unfortunately, though, we've got this whole version of the gospel out there that, that we've called the prosperity gospel, where we believe that God wants us to be rich just for the sake of being rich, not, not so that we're blessed so that we can be a blessing, Right, there's a difference. One is a conduit, the other is just a jar that's collecting stuff, right? A pipe stuff flows through. It goes from one place to another, and you might be the pipe, and you're going to be blessed as it runs through your life, but it's supposed to go through your life, not fill your life. 
And so we've got, we've got a challenge here because there's different versions out there. And Jesus said, hey, 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 it's better. You'll be happier. Your heart will be in a different condition, a transformed condition, if you'll learn to live generously instead of being all about getting stuff. Because the prosperity gospel creates Christians who decide to give so they can get. And that's, that's, that's not correct. Don't get me wrong. The law of sowing and reaping exists that when you give, you will receive, but that can't be our motivation. Generosity, if you think about it, has changed not only my life, but yours as well. Think about the most generous people you've ever met and those encounters and how those things left an indelible mark on your life. Think about the generosity of God and the reason why we're here in the first place. Generosity changes everything. In fact, we look at the basis of a relationship with God. John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world, that's, that's me and that's you and that's all of creation, okay? So God so loved the world that he, yeah, he gave. He gave. He gave what? He gave his one and only son. That whoever, that means you, that means me, whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. God, we have this relationship with him based on the principle of generosity. And I believe that we are called to be like our heavenly father. And that's why addressing our hearts around this subject, it's so, so important. So let's get into the scripture, shall we? Matthew 7, I've quoted a bunch of it to you, but I'm going to show you some up on the screen. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 2. Uh, this is Jesus talking, and I want you to pay specific attention to uh, the first line and the last line. Just kind of keep those in mind. But it says, judge not that you be not judged. We probably heard this a lot, especially in, in, in very politically tense environments or people that are, that are like, well, you're, 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 you, you know what I'm saying. It's just politically tense environment. Don't judge me. Don't judge my life. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And watch this. Remember this line. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Now, can I ask you a question? Is money mentioned anywhere in these verses? No. No, money is not mentioned anywhere in these verses. The context is don't judge or you will be judged, right? That, that is simply it. So remember the first verse, or the first line, judge not that you be not judged in the last one. And let's go to Luke 6. Look how it starts out. Judge not and you shall not be judged. That's the first verse of the, of the one in Matthew, wasn't it? And the last verse of it. Go, let me go to the last one. Next. There we go. For with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. The first and the last line are exactly the same. Why? Because these are parallel verses. What that means is that Matthew had a take on it. He was there, and he was in person, and he heard it. And then Luke is also telling the same story. Now, Matthew was present, and he felt it was only important to include those two lines. And Luke was like, you know what? I'm going to include these other ones because I feel they're important. Okay, so, so here we go again. Let's go back to the first one, to, the first, to uh, Luke 6, 36, 37, excuse me. Can you do it? Yeah, okay. Sorry, I'm bouncing all around. Apologize. Here we go. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Again, does the word money appear anywhere in this scripture verse? Nope. And yet, many pastors use this verse as a demonstration for finances, that, that if you give, you'll get. And if you give, you'll get way more back. 
right? We, we take it out of context. The context here isn't, isn't about money at all. It's about giving for sure, but it's not about money. It's about every other part of your life. It's, a, it's about giving. Think about it. In your Christian walk, it's all about giving. It's, that's what matters in it. You have to, in relationship, as a Christian, in relationship with one another, in order to accomplish all the verses that tell you to love one another, serve one another, it requires you to give. We can't talk about giving and, and, or, and not talk about marriages, too. Because if you're in a marriage and you don't, aren't both partners to our givers in that marriage, that marriage is doomed to fail. If you are in relationship with someone and you don't give of yourself in that relationship, that relationship will also fail. If you are looking to make a difference in this world, and you, you will, it will cost you giving of your time, of your talent, your giftings, and your treasure. It's just going to cost you that if you want to make a difference in this world. We have to give. But the point is that giving isn't just about money. It's about our heart. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, where your stuff is, your heart is going to follow that. That's why we have to talk about money. Now, if you're here for the first time, or maybe you've just been hanging out with us for a little while, you're like, aha, I knew it. They're all about the money over there. That's why they're here. But I'm here to tell you that, that the church is not after your money. I am not after your money. In fact, uh, I'm after something for you, not something from you. I, I want something for you. But God, well, God is after your money. Not, not because he needs it. Not, not because God needs your money, but because he's after your heart. He, he doesn't need your money, guys. He wants your heart. And he knows where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your heart is connected to your wallet. And if God can get your wallet, he can get your heart. And if you're upset at that, don't be mad at me. I didn't say it. Those are words in red in your Bible. That means Jesus said it. That means the guy that you call Lord, he's the one that, wrote the, that said those things. Your heart follows your treasure. I can prove it to you. If you've ever invested in a stock, I guarantee you that prior to you investing in that stock, putting money into it, you never looked at it. But as soon as you put money in it, what happens? Refresh, refresh. How are we doing? Refresh, right? Our energy and our attention, our lives become centered around checking that out. How are we doing? Refresh, refresh, refresh. Is it climbing? Is it falling? It's, oh, it's falling again, isn't it? It's falling. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. If you want your heart in God's kingdom, then put your treasure in God's kingdom. If you, it, it, that's really what you want. We're talking about a heart issue. Now back to the verse. This verse, again, is not about, it's not about money. It's about giving. And specifically, the context is about giving condemnation. Don't give condemnation or you'll be condemned. Don't, don't give judgment or you'll be judged. And, 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 and to give forgiveness. And if you, the way you give forgiveness is the way you will be forgiven. That's, that's the context. And they say, even more so, whatever you give, you're going to get even more of it. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Anybody like popcorn? Right? You go to the movie theater and they load in that popcorn. That they give you a good, a good amount of it, right? But you, wanna, you, wanna, you want one of those snack counter attendants that is going to load it up with popcorn. And what are they going to do with it? They're, they're going to shake it a little bit, right? Why are they shaking it? 
because it all settles out. All the air pockets settle out, right? And then they can put some more in there. And you want to see them shake it again, really work it. Then you want to see them dump it on top and just have it pouring over. as It's falling out as they hand it to you, right? That's a good popcorn day. You know what I'm talking about? That's the way God says that, that whatever you give, that's, that's how you're going to get it back. That's how you're going to give it back. You're going to get it back. It's a good measure. Press down, shaking together, running over. Now, this, this principle of, of getting things back can for certain include money, but it's not about money because that's about the law of sowing and reaping, right? God set that up. If you take a seed and you give it to the earth, you surrender it, we don't know how it works, but that seed will produce a tree, and that tree will produce some fruit, and on that, in that fruit will be a whole bunch of seeds, way more than you put in the ground in the first place, right? This is the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever you give, you'll get back more. Think about this. This is in every area of your life. So if you're, if you're longing for something in your life, maybe it's time to start giving that thing. My friend Gary talks to me. He, he was talking about discouragement. He's like, anytime Gary's discouraged, you know what he does? He calls me and offers me encouragement. Because that's what he needs. he needs. He needs to be encouraged in the moment. Think about that. That what you give is what you'll receive more of. So if you want more love and kindness in your life, you give it first. You want your spouse to, to, to love you and to show up in a different way? How about you start first? So I don't know how. Ask them. They'll tell you. We just came out of a relationship series. I'm just trying to help you, like, for real. Are your kids disrespectful and mouthy to you? Well, are you disrespectful and mouthy to them? Oh, no, I'm not giving them permission to do it. But, you know, if you, if you are sarcastic and you are rude and you are disrespectful to them, guess what you got coming? That's right. In my house, we all speak sarcasm fluently. Because I speak it fluently, right? From, from, from me to the kids. You want deeper, more intimate, vulnerable relationships? Give of yourself in that way. You go first. Zig Ziglar, who is a, 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 an author and a leadership guru, he's one of my favorites. He's passed now. But he said this, you can have everything in life you want if you will just help enough people get what they want. It's giving. It's giving of yourself helping others get what they want. And you know what? I guarantee what you're looking for and longing for in life, you're going to need some help. So how do we develop a generous heart? How do we get to this place where we're living a generous life, where we're experiencing all that God has for us through this lens? Well, there's four things we need to do to develop a generous heart. I'm going to take you to Deuteronomy because God set this principle up way early in your Bible. Deuteronomy is in the Old Testament. Chapter 15, verse 7 says this. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, right? So God's giving it. You shall not harden your heart, nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you should open your hand wide to him and willingly, which by the way is a condition of your heart, right? Because we can give, but we can give begrudgingly. He's like, I, I want you to give. If you'll do it, but you open your hand and give willingly, lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. So the first of the four things we need to do is deal with a selfish heart. If you're taking notes, it's deal with a selfish heart, which we shall be taking notes, right? We believe God's going to speak to us. Take some notes. Deal with a selfish heart. He says this in verse 9, Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing 
and he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. What's happening here? God's pointing out that, that there's some selfishness within our hearts. And I'll break this verse down for you in a second. Just leave it up there. But he's saying, he's saying that there is some selfishness. And that selfishness is wickedness to God. It is sin to us. It means we're missing the mark. This, this ain't the way. Because what's happening in this verse is during biblical times, they would lend to anybody that was in need. And then there would be a payback schedule. But the way God set up the, the, the community... He instituted a law that every seven years, every debt that existed got canceled. How many of you guys would be down for that? It was called the year of Jubilee. Every seven years, every debt, every servant that had committed themselves as a slave to pay back a debt, everybody went free. Every debt was canceled every seven years. It was a beautiful thing. And what he's talking about here is that if your brother comes to you and says, hey, I'm in need, I'm poor, I need some help, and Jubilee is like right around the corner. Maybe it's like three months away. And you consider it like, huh, they're not going to be able to pay this back in the next three months. I'm going to have to, well, it's going to be free for them. I don't want to give. Selfish. I'm not going to get back. It's talking about the heart now. It's the motivation. Why don't you want to give? Well, because if I give it to them, I'm not going to get it all back. I'm going to give so that I can get it back. It's, it's, it is a wrong motivation. And God calls that wickedness, that selfishness within him, it's sinful. He said, don't think like that. And what he's trying to do is to deal with their hearts in this situation because he wants them, he wants his people to be generous like he is generous. Because, you know, giving is God's idea. I don't know if that's a revelation to you or not. But giving is God's idea. He made the principle up. He came up with it. I was listening to a pastor talk on this subject, and he, was talking, he said he was talking to a bunch of, of, of college students about this. And he said, why do you think God created giving? And their response was to support the work of the Lord. That seems like a reasonable response, but it's not true. Do we really think that God needs our money to do his work here in this world? We're talking about the creator of the universe, the one who spoke it all into existence. And that God's not going to be able to save people, heal people's lives, and touch them, make them whole, strengthen their marriages, do all the work that he does. That the cross of Christ is ineffective because you won't give. No, that's not the case at all. That God's going to do what he's going to do regardless of us. God created giving for our benefit. He didn't create it for his sake, but for our sake. Because what happens with giving, when we choose to live a generous lifestyle, what it does is it upends greed and selfishness within our lives. That's what giving does. It works out the greed and selfishness in our lives. Now, most of the teaching around this subject is about giving to give. But again, like I said, it creates a Christian culture of, or, or uh, I'm sorry, yeah, giving to get. And it creates this culture of, this is why I'm going to do it. It's a false motivation. It's, it's the wrong motivation. If I'm going to give so that I can get, well, what that does is that just works selfishness and greed in my heart again. It's about our hearts. What's your motivation? Jesus was right. It's better to give than to receive. Because when you give, it will free your heart from the wickedness of selfishness and greed. So we have to learn to deal with our selfish hearts. Now, ladies, I want to put you on notice right now. There is an area of selfishness within men that is just never going to be dealt with. 
It's when it comes to our food. <laughs> Ladies, we don't share our food. We don't like to. I don't want to sit down at a table with you ladies, and I'm going to order a steak and some fries and whatever else I'm going to order, and you order a side salad, and then you have the gall to pick up your fork and try to eat something off my plate. <laughs> if you wanted a steak, you should have ordered the steak. I'm fine to pay for it, but the thing is, is I wanted the whole steak. <laughs> I want the gristle. I want it all. It's all mine, saith the Lord. <laughs> and I'm even talking about the fries at the bottom of the bag, too. Those are mine. Because, see, I played that game once. And she was like, hey, can I have the fries in the bottom of the bag? And the answer was, Yo, well, yeah, sure, but then my fry, my fry container came out half empty, and I wondered what happened. Because it got emptied in the bag as it was coming out. I will order you two bags of fries. You can have your own. A plate of fries for the table, if you will. That is fine. But we've got a real problem, don't we, men? We don't want to share food. And all the men said, Amen. yeah, serve notice, ladies. There you go. We don't want to, we don't want to do it. <laughs> so we've got, we got to deal with our selfish hearts. Number two, deal with a grieving heart. Oh, man, this one's tough. Back to our verses, verse 10. Here he is actually going to talk about money. He says, you, surely, you shall surely give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him. In other words, he's saying he recognizes that our hearts do grieve when we give. That, that when money leaves our hands, it hurts a little bit, right? It, it, it hurts a little bit. Especially when, when we give to somebody and then something breaks down in our life. Like, oh, are you kidding me? I just was trying to be generous, and now I'm in need. We grieve, right? He says, your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. Mm, let me translate that for you. Learn to give from the right heart and God will bless everything else you're doing. Learn to give from the right heart and God will bless everything else that you're doing. So here's the real issue. Selfishness will attack us before we give. It'll try to keep us from giving, right? Now, I don't want to give because I'm going to lack. I don't want to give because I'm not going to give back. I, I'm, I'm worried for me. I'm only focused here, selfish. That'll keep us from giving. Attack us before we give, but grief attacks us after we give. What is grief? Grief is the loss of a desired future. That's all that comes down to. When you lose a loved one, there's a desired future that you had in mind, and you're grieving that. It's, it's, I'm sad over the loss of it. I'm never going to have it. My loved one's dead. They're past. And the same thing happens when you give money. Grief can enter in. Oh, that just left my hand. Oh, it's gone from my life. And that couldn't be, that, that's the thing that's just the furthest from the truth. When you give to someone, when you're generous to someone, in whatever way you're generous, it may have left your hand, but it has never left your life. Just won't do it. I think sometimes we just get sad. We're like, man, if I hadn't given to them, I could have gone to Chipotle every single day this week. <laughs> hmm. Got me thinking about lunch. That's good, right? I'm like, oh, man, I, I'm ready for lunch today. I'm, and now I'm, I'm realizing this. I left my wallet at home, and so I don't know how I'm going to buy lunch today. I, I need a little bit of cash, but that's okay. I would just, uh, it's just one of those things that I could use some money. <laughs> 
I'm just saying. I just, what are you doing, buddy? No, don't, don't. I'm just, no. Are you sure? Dude, that's a $100 bill. Wow. <laughs> She's like, I love, who else left their wallet at home today, right? Uh, uh, okay, let me, let me explain. This, this is a total setup for you, okay? I didn't, leave, I didn't leave my wallet at home, and you're not sad about giving this to me, are you? You know why he's not sad? Because it's mine. No, no, hear me. There, there's something good here. He's not sad that he just gave it to me because it belongs to me. There's no grief. Yeah, that'll preach, right? There's, there's no grief here in giving that $100 or really returning to me what was mine in the first place. Because he wasn't going to spend it. He knew it belonged to me. I gave it to him before the service, and I said, when I start talking about this, I need you to give me some money. And he did that happily because of, of a perspective switch. I think we can all have a perspective switch that, that everything in this earth is God's. That includes your money. That includes your time, your talent, your tri- it's all of it. All of it belongs to God. And when we give back to him what's already his, there's no grief attached to it. There's no sadness about it. It all belongs to him. You realize you belong to him too. And like Derek talked about last week, didn't Derek do an incredible job last week if you guys are here? That, that God cares for the sparrows that are worth nothing. How much more does he care for you, right? Like you're always going to be taken care of because you're God's possession as well. You're his kid. And so we have to learn to deal with our selfish hearts. We need a perspective shift so that we can deal with our grieving hearts because if we deal with our, our selfish and grieving hearts, God's like, hey, then you can have the right motivation to give and live generously and he'll bless everything else. Watch this. So the third thing is to develop a generous heart. This, this means us dealing with the selfishness in our lives, dealing with the grief part in our lives by a perspective switch, and we have to not only stop doing some things, but we need to start doing some things. We can ask God to develop a generous heart in us all we want to, but when the moment comes, when the rubber meets the road, are we going to choose to give? Are we going to choose to be generous with all that we have, not just in a church service, at the restaurant, in your house, in your community, at the grocery store? Are you going to be generous with what you have? Verse 14, continuing talk, he said, you shall supply him liberally. That word could also be generously from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, which by the way is everything, you shall give to him. God wants us to be generous. We were born selfish, but we were born again generous, everybody. We're born again generous. We just have to keep reminding ourselves of that. Paul the Apostle calls that renewing our minds. And that comes from a practice, developing a heart of generosity. You know the real standard for giving? When we were reading in Luke 6 earlier, and he was talking about giving. Don't give condemnation. Don't give judging. The real standard for giving Jesus gave us is earlier in the passage of Luke 6. And if you're already feeling a little tense about this message, you're going to hate this part. Because he said, give to everyone who asks you. Hey, do you know who's included in everyone? Strangers. People you don't like. 
people you might be enemies with? Oh, give to everyone who asks you. And it says, and it says give them whatever they ask without even expecting it back. Ugh. And then he goes on to say, not only give to them whatever they ask, give them more than what they ask. That's the, our standard for giving. That's our standard for generosity. I'm going to give you way more than you asked for, and I'm not even going to expect it back. If I get it back, I get it back. Some of you are like, I don't know if I could do that. But this is the standard. This is what Jesus did. You said, that sounds so completely backwards and upside down. Yep, welcome to the kingdom of God. Where Jesus said, you want to be the greatest one? Be the lowest. Be the servant of everybody. That's so upside down and backwards. That's the way Jesus did things. You want to, have, you want to be blessed? Do you want to be happy? Do you want to have the most blessed life? Be generous. Be generous. Jesus is dealing with our hearts here and calling us to be generous. He said, hey, don't just stop being selfish. Don't stop grieving. Start being generous. We're born selfish, and we have to fight that within us constantly. You understand this. Anybody have kids or had kids, and they might be grown now? What, what do we have to teach every single kid how to do? Share. That's right. Yeah, we got to teach them how to share. Do we have to teach them how to be selfish? Nope. It's in them. You'll see this demonstrated as you put your kid into a room and he will play with something. But introduce the neighbor boy and the neighbor boy comes in and picks up a toy that has, is cold because it's been laying there for so long. <laughs> and your child will put down the toy he's playing with and go, I was playing with that. And then that child will go, okay, and they'll go and they say, mine. And then the, then the neighbor kid goes to another toy. I was playing with that too, mine. We have to teach our kids to share, to be generous with what they have, to undo that selfishness that's within them. And the call is to our kids, hey, this is how we grow up. Hey, this is how we accept responsibility for our relationships, and in our relationships, we become generous and we share. And I feel like in this verse, like, like God's just calling us to grow up. Hey, when are we going to mature? When are we going to look more like our Heavenly Father than than we look like we were before getting saved? When, when are we going to live generous lives? It's on us to develop a, a generous heart. That means making plans to be generous. That means budgeting time in your week, leaving some margins so that you can be generous with what you have with, with your time and with your life. It means maybe even budgeting a generosity pool. It's money that you just plan to give away every month. How cool would that be? It means living your life with an open hand because it's all God's anyway and you can't outgive God. Amen, everybody? So we have to develop an attitude and a heart that says, God, what do you want me to give? Man, that's a different question, isn't it? God, what do you want me to do? I'm feeling like I should do something here. I'm feeling like I should step in this space. What would you like me to do? And the fourth and last thing here is we need to develop a grateful heart. Man, this is so good. He said, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. In other words, remember what you come from. The Israelites were slaves for over 400 years in Egypt. And their future looked like ending their lives, being born, living, and dying a slave, having nothing of their own, doing whatever they were told, eating whatever they were given. They were slaves. He says, remember, Remember you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Let me say it differently. God changed the end of your story. Yeah. 
Some of you were writing a story that ended with you being addicted and strung out on drugs and maybe laying in a gutter somewhere. Some of you were writing a story of promiscuousness with all kinds of, of issues and brokenness, broken relationship after broken relationship, maybe even disease. And finally, maybe a disease that would take your life. Some of you, that's the story you were pending, but Jesus stepped in and redeemed your life, changed the end of the story, started using it for his glory and for your good, because that's what redemption is. The thing that the enemy meant to destroy you with is now the greatest platform that you get to stand upon. It's a beautiful thing. God's like, remember that. And he's saying, based on what I've done for you, oh, it's gone. <laughs> I command you this thing today. Remember what I did for you? And that's why I get to tell you, you got to do this. Because I'm the Lord your God, and I'm the one that set you free. I'm the one that changed your story. I have the authority to tell you to do this because everything we have, not just our salvation, everything we have is from him. He is our source. Let me tell you something. It's not the government. It's not your job. That Those are not your source. It's not your neighbor. It's not your church. It's him. Everything comes from him. And it's not just about what we have in our hands. It's, about, it's, it's not just what he gave us here on this earth. It's about what he's given us in eternity as well. See, Jesus, when he paid the price, he paid for us to live in eternity with God, but he also paid the price for us to have a full and fulfilled life here on this earth while we wait for that day. He gave us so much. We were all once slaves to sin, but God gave his son, and he paid the price for our freedom with his life. Our freedom, I guess you could say, hangs on the generosity of our father and his son, Jesus. That's what we need to continue to remember. And I think that if we continue to put ourselves in that space to remember what God has done for us, the only reasonable response is to fully surrender our lives to him. So what do you, you want to do with all that I have? What would you have me give? How would you have me behave? How would you have me budget? How would you have me live a life of generosity? He gave his all. And he gave us much more than we could ever give him back. Remember this. We can give without loving. We cannot be in a loving relationship with someone and not give. It's going to cost you something to be in this relationship with God. Generosity changes and touches every part of your life. So be generous. Deal with the selfishness in your heart. Deal with the grief. Shift your perspective. It all belongs to him. You're somebody who's walked around saying, mine, mine. You're worried about whether you'll have something. You can't outgive God. So develop a heart of generosity. And man, bolster that heart of generosity through developing a heart of gratitude for all that he's given you already. Amen, everybody? Hey, I meant to mention this earlier, but this entire series is, is based on a book that I read some years ago, probably 2010, I want to say, called The Blessed Life. This changed my life changed my outlook, changed my perspective on generosity. And though everything comes from the scripture, the full teaching comes from this book, and I can't recommend it highly enough, but I'm always somebody who wants to resource you. I, I want you to have the best life possible. 
And I would encourage you, I'm, we're going to talk about this subject for, for three weeks total, and, and then we'll have Easter Sunday. But, but if you want to dive deeper on this, you really want to deal with some heart, some practical application, I, I would highly recommend this book. I'll have it over at the Connect Center with me. You can take a look and take some notes or get a picture from it. But, but I, I want to make sure that I share that, that, that everything here is, it comes from what I learned there and how it transformed my life. And, and I long for that for you as your pastor. Amen, everybody? That's what I want. Let's pray. In this moment, the only thing I'm going to ask you to do is to quiet your heart and just ask, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What is he talking to you about? Is he revealing some area of that, that, that there's some selfishness in some area? Is he showing you your need for a perspective shift? Are you somebody that needs to, to believe and, and operate and act as if all of it really does belong to God? What is he calling you to be generous with? Maybe it's some of your time. I have no idea. Maybe, maybe it's some of your belongings or your money. I, have, I don't know. Or, or your talents. What gifting do you have that you, that you could give back and make a difference with? Today, maybe he's moving you to soften your heart towards giving by, and being generous by reminding you of how much he's given you. Whatever the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now, be sure to note it. Be sure to respond and be obedient. I promise you, the blessed life and the happiest life you're looking for is on the other side of that obedience. It may be difficult. It may be challenging. We're here. We want to walk with you through this, pray with you through this, encourage you through this, love you through whatever it might be. But we're certainly here to cheer you on as you take your steps towards whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you, leading you to do. Others of you today, what you might be feeling is just a draw to a relationship with God. And maybe that's something that's unfamiliar to you. Or maybe it's something you've sensed before and maybe you had a relationship with God and maybe you just wandered far from Him. I don't know. But today, you, you can have a full relationship with Him. You can have it through his son Jesus and all that I described that he did for us in his life, his death, and his resurrection. That Jesus conquered death and hell and the grave. What he paid for with his life was forgiveness of our sins to make us brand new so that we could be in full relationship with God. Not so that we could be perfect, not so that we could do everything right, but so that we could have a do-over, we could experience the generosity of our Father. Today, if you're ready for a relationship with Jesus, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to ask, if you're ready to make that commitment, would you just slip your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me today. Go ahead and do that now. If you're watching online, make that commitment. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put your hands down. Everybody pray together. Nobody prays alone. Even those of you listening online or through our podcast, pray these words. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I want you to know I'm so proud of you that, that all of us here were celebrating with you. Come on, Simple Church. Can we celebrate with those people that said yes to Jesus today?
Listen, if that was you and you made a commitment today, whether you're in person or online, uh, we just want to help you. There is a digital Connect card online, but there's also a Connect card here. We use those Connect cards to have communication with you. We realize that this is a format that I'm standing in the front and we can't all talk to me all at once, but a Connect card will initiate a conversation with my team and I. We would love to celebrate the individual steps that you're taking, help you identify what your next steps are. Nobody wants to harass you. I promise nobody's going to call you and, and force you to do anything. It's always going to be an invitation. Won't you, won't you help us help you on those next steps in your journey? Fill out the Connect card. Let us know that you've made a decision today, that you're, you're deciding to follow Jesus. And maybe you have some prayer requests or you have some other needs in your life. That Connect card is the best way for, to identify yourself to us so that we can circle around you and support you pray for you, resource you, because you're in the family now. Amen, everybody? They're in the family. So, all right, remember, be praying for your person this week. Sign up for the Easter Bunny if you want to help us out. We've got, we've got seven or eight positions left. We'd love to see you there. I'll be over at the Connect Center if you would like to talk to me or, or to ask questions or even examine this book. I'm going to go ahead and put that $100 in my pocket before that walks off. And, uh, <laughs> but if you need prayer for anything, our pastoral team will be right here at this altar to pray with you. I love you guys. Let me pray, and we will dismiss. Oh, hey, giving, by the way. Let me talk about that. Uh, I know that we're doing a message on giving. I promise I, I didn't do any of that to manipulate any of you, and if you're feeling manipulated in any way, don't give. That's fine. I'm not here to do that, but if, you're, if your heart is ready to give, uh, there are digital ways that you can give here on the screen, but also there's a give box in the back of the room. Thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving to the work of the Lord. We appreciate you. Let me pray, and we'll dismiss. Lord, thank you again. Uh, for bringing us back into this house. Thank you for your spirit that is in this place. Thank you for the work that you're doing within us, God. Uh, and, and, and I know that, that what will happen to these seeds as we allow them to be planted in our heart is that they will spring up and produce fruit. Fruit, God, that you will use to bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. Lord, we love you. We thank you again for your work today. Bring us back safe next week. And in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... God bless you guys. We'll see you back here next Sunday.